Welcome to the Kupinger Coal Analyst Chat. I'm your host. My name is Matthias Reinwart. I'm Lead Advisor and Senior Analyst with Kupinger Coal Analysts. My guest today is Research Strategy Director and Senior Analyst Annie Bailey. Hi, Annie. Good to see you. Hi. Nice to be back. Good to have you. First time with this new title that you've just earned and you've deserved it and earned it. Uh, we, we, we are here today to talk about some um, research work that you just completed, work that is in an area that is really, as you have always been working in emerging technologies, this is an emerging market. You've completed a leadership compass on providers of verified identity. And that is really a long-term, a mouthful of a name. What does providers of verified identity mean? Yeah, well, it's a, it's a concept which is best understood when you break it down into two parts. So you have the verified identity part, and then you have the providers of that, that verified identity part. So if we start by looking at the verified identity, this is um, looking at the, the idea of a digital identity, um, but not just any digital identity, but it's something which has been verified to describe a real world identity in that digital format, and that the verification can remain valid throughout the identity lifecycle. So it's, it's more than going through a one-time identity verification, but it's really transitioning a physical document like a passport or a national ID card into a digital format that can be used in many more other functional ways um, and that is really connected to a real world human. So you can think of this at, a, at an oversimplified level. So if you think about bringing your, your physical passport um, into a digital version, um, but uh, this is really at the, at the first level because in a digital version, you can really do so much more, um, such as you could share the individual attributes on that document, like your name or your birth date or your citizenship. You could share each of those individually without having to share your entire passport. Um, so that's just a snapshot on Uh, why the, the verified identity part becomes really interesting in a digital format. So if you're talking about the providers of verified identity, you've, you've explained the concepts. So there are organizations which do this as a business. What is their business? What are they doing with these verified identities along the process of yeah, providing them? Mm -hmm. Exactly. So as you can imagine, um, it's not always accessible for an individual to get a digital identity. Um, so there are providers of those. And so this research is looking at who is making it possible for an end user to get access to a verified digital identity, but especially which providers are making it possible to use that within an enterprise setting. Um, and this is really looking at A, a wide range of capabilities here. So going through the original identity verification, the registration and authentication, all using a verified digital identity. Um, you could have additional services 
thrown in there. There's a lot of times uh, fraud reduction, which is um, thrown into the mix, doing additional attribute verification on other types of documents, not just government-issued documents, doing digital signing, orchestration of uh, various technology partners and the workflows here. So it's going far beyond just the identity verification part, but really how a verified identity could be used in the enterprise setting to uh, lift the security of those accesses and accounts uh, throughout the user experience. Right. So when we're talking about this topic, why are we talking about this right now? Why is this an important topic and why in 2022? Mm -hmm. Well, There's a lot of different reasons. We could spend a lot of time talking about it, um, but maybe let's just pick one or two main reasons um, and focus on those for the moment. Uh, you could think about user experience as one of those. Um, so you mentioned uh, the year 2022. Here we are um, still recovering after all of the the excitement we had in 2020, 2021, where it really became evident that uh, we need to conduct very important transactions, often from afar, where it's difficult to be in person to do a um, identity verification, as we've always done it, uh, with no technology, where you stand in front of somebody who's qualified to check identity documents, um, and they confirm that you are indeed the person who is described in your identity document, and you are holding a valid identity document that wasn't expired, that hasn't been uh, counterfeit. Uh, and that's the situation we are in now. We, we need an option that is not simply in person. And we need that for all sorts of transactions um, and in many different roles. So you can imagine, for example, opening a bank account, or if you're a new employee being onboarded, onboarded with your employer, but you can't be there in person. Or if a contractor is being, access, being granted access to a facility for a short amount of time, you need to make sure that that individual is really the person who they say they are and who you expect them to be. Right. I've been talking to John Tolbert about the FRIP platforms, that the fraud reduction intelligence platforms. And I've, I've, I remember that um, uh, fraud prevention and also the, the, the use of verified identities is something that is of importance. So when you talk about these providers of verified identities, is this also a key capability that they provide there as well? You've mentioned that earlier uh, shortly. Mm -hmm, absolutely. So fraud is the other angle that I would want to talk about here. And identity verification in general is absolutely a part of, of fraud reduction platforms. And um, if we bring that extension over to verified identity, um, there's, there's a, a very, very clear connection. Um, when we think about particular types of fraud, um, account takeover fraud and new account opening fraud are both really large issues that um, using a verified identity can, can tend to reduce risk for this. Um, so when we think about account takeover fraud, for example, this is, of course, when a bad actor is using a valid user's account 
um, through a very a variety of ways. Sometimes they have stolen credentials or with a brute force attack or social engineering are able to use a valid user's account. Um, but this sort of fraud can be reduced with things like multi-factor auth authentication, particularly risk-based, or when you're able to evaluate device or credential intelligence using behavioral biometrics and so on. And these sorts of capabilities are often accompanying um, a verified identity, usually the, the means that it um, takes to initially verify that identity are able to collect some of those biometrics and then check those again during your authentication, um, bringing that confidence in, being able to collect credential or device intelligence. These sort of things typically travel together. Um, we could also consider new account opening fraud. Um, and this is uh, perhaps even more closely related to uh, verified identities. Um, if you think about a new account being, opening, being opened by a malicious user, they could either be using uh, credentials of a real person or synthetic credentials that don't belong to any real human at all. Um, and if they're successful in doing that, that causes, of course, a very huge problem. Um, and so this um, risk can be lowered by increasing the identity assurance level during onboarding, and then likewise raising the authentication assurance level during authentication, uh, which is both the, the really the goal of using a verified identity is boosting those assurance levels. Right, you've mentioned uh, another use case. This was the business part preventing uh, fraud, um, but very interesting. You've mentioned briefly that um, that it's also usable and can be used and and should be used when it comes to enterprise use cases for onboarding, especially large numbers of new employees for creating a help desk or for for staffing large projects. Um, when 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 you think of such a use case, and some of our audience might be interested in achieving that. What do they get when they look at these verified identity solutions? What is what is in there? What are the capabilities that would come into play when they want to onboard um, an, an employee into their organization? What are the the key capabilities here? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's a complicated process. I hate to say it. Um, so there are several steps, and then underneath each step, there could be several different. Technology, uh, technology methods um, that would be used to, uh, to reach the next step. Um, so if we break it down, we look at step one, that's uh, for identity verification, uh, collecting the evidence. Um, so that would be collecting the identity document. That's really just the intake of information before any analysis really happens. Um, there are a lot of different ways to do this. Again, when we talk about our, our zero technology method, that is going into um, in an office where there is a, a physical person standing there who looks at your document. Um, but you can also have other digital methods. Um, you could be 
taking a picture of that document and sending it. It's not necessarily secure, but that is an option that you could use. Uh, you could be using optical character recognition, the scan, and then pulling that information. You could use video capture. Um, there's the machine-readable zone on most identity documents, um, which then uh, transfers the information in a machine-readable format. You could use near-field communication if there's an embedded chip in, uh, in that document. Um, you could also use digital certificates um, for national registry lookups. So that's step one and all the options that you could use to uh, collect the evidence from, from that document. Step two is then the, the verifying part. So once you've collected the evidence, you need to check that that evidence is valid and accurate, that the authenticity of the issuer um, can be verified, that the um, document has all the appropriate security features, um, and that uh, the information itself has not been falsified in any way. So again, there are a huge range of technological methods to do this, um, ranging from highly qualified individuals to machine learning algorithms who are checking for these different um, uh, these different falsifications. And then third, the last step in the verification process would be binding um, and completing the verification. And so this binding process is really confirming that the documents and the attributes in that documents do describe a unique person. And that unique person is actually the same person who's presenting them, um, that it's not somebody else who grabbed uh, a passport that doesn't belong to them and is presenting it. Um, this is again done in several different ways. More and more, we're using biometric verification here, which is then a one-to-one -one facial match, for example, um, using the template uh, of the document. Um, so either the, the photo on your photo ID or the biometric template, which is embedded in the document if there's a chip there, and matching that against the real-time person who is presenting it. Sometimes this includes liveness detection, or this could be using something like video identification, where there is a synchronous video with a human operator, a, a trained professional, to look at this. So that's a long right. list. There's a lot packed into here, and it's a, um, it's a um, really a collection of a lot of best in breed technology providers to even get through the identity verification process. And that's nothing to say about all the other steps that you integrate with into registration, into authentication, additional fraud reduction controls, signatures. So this is really a, a densely packed uh, solution or, or service that providers are able to give. Right. So in the end, and many of these aspects that you mentioned, um, the technology aims to replace or to mimic the functionality of this carbon-based technology when you walk into the, that office that does the verification process and tries to make sure that um, this person is really the person that the, the, he or she claims to be. Um, and as, as an analyst, I know you, I, you looked at this topic within your research just right now. As an analyst, I tried to, to do a self-test 
with many of the aspects that are available for us to make sure how does this look in real life. And I actually a few months ago applied for what we in Germany call elektronische Patientenakte, the electronic health care file. And, and you need to install an app and you get a, a, a new registration. And I really thought, because I've never done that with a bank account, that they would check that with me waving my, 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 um, my um, uh, ID card and, and all this liveness detection with a video and all this kind. Of, and I was really prepared for that and I was looking forward to doing this. But in the end, um, my my my. The, the the guy from from the postal services um, did the check uh, at at my door, so they they, they really requested him to do this this as an in person check, and he was not really liking that process because this really adds to their complexity of their, their daily routine. I've mentioned that already in that Posco podcast in an earlier episode, but what I, what I'm really want to know is. Um, why don't we see that too much in real life? Because these technologies could really make lives easier for us and for our counterparts in business, as as citizens, as as customers, uh, customers and and uh, governor, uh, governments or organizations. Why don't we see that? And where can verified identity solutions then still improve? When, because they're not visible for many of us right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think you hit on a on a good point is um, the reason why we don't see a lot of it yet is because this is really an emerging space. Um, identity verification is not new. Using digital identities for the rest of these processes for registration and um, authentication is not new. But bringing these two together, so using a verified identity for these other processes and holding on to that verified status for a longer period of time is really hard. Um, and it's becoming possible. We've, we've um, kind of hit the, the technology uh, sweet spot here where it's becoming possible and it's getting more accurate and better uh, quite regularly and quite quickly. Um, so what I can say is there are a huge number of vendors on the market which are providing some part of this aspect. They're somewhat limited who, who really provide this whole full service spectrum that we've been talking about today and that I cover in my report. Um, but on top of that, there are so many vendors who do the biometric side of um, the verification or who do the document onboarding side or who provide then a user-held wallet um, and this is another aspect here that um, where I'd like to transition into how verified identity solutions can still improve. Um, there's yet to be an agreement on what the future model of this will look like. And a big part of that has to do with user-held wallets. Um, and you can think of that um, exactly as your your physical, your real-world wallet, which is holding all of your different types of identities. It could hold your passport, but also your bank card and also your health card and really everything from many different issuers. And you have with you all the time. Um, the idea is becoming very interesting to have a digital wallet as well. And this is being discussed at various uh, levels, but perhaps most notably um, at the EU level, uh, looking at uh, making available a digital wallet for citizens um, for their digital identities, which could be used in their nation state, 
are in their their member state um, or in other member states where they are not residents. So this is a big deal um, for both public and private use of uh, digital identities. However, it's not clear yet what exactly that will look like if this will be decentralized or not. Um, and both models are possible and in the market at the moment. And so this does cause, um, cause hesitancy to adopt because it's not clear which one will win out, if any, or if there will be a multitude of solutions that people are able to choose and use for a long time. So agreement on how this will look in the future and how this will continue to evolve uh, may be a reason why you're not uh, seeing this in use yet, um, but you will likely see more of it in the next year to, to a couple years. Um, another reason or another way that this could improve is that we're still holding on to perhaps older technologies or more familiar ways of doing things um, simply because they're familiar and they're known. Um, one example of that is video identification where you, as the person needing to be verified, you sit in front of your computer with a webcam, you join a secure call with a trained agent, and you show them your passport, which you're holding in your hands. Um, just on August 10th of this year, just last week, um, Gamantic, which is an agency for digital medicine in Germany, um, actually removed video ident as an option for their health insurers um, for onboarding patient uh, patients to this EPA, the electronic patient file. Um, now they have a, a decent amount of influence in this space to say that they don't recommend this anymore um, because it was demonstrated that it's possible and also repeatable to pass um, a verification using invalid credentials, which of course puts several million people registered for health insurance in Germany at risk of fraud. So this is, um, there has been a tendency in Germany, um, sometimes in other countries as well, to hold on to uh, older technology and not uh, fully consider um, more automated versions for identity verification. Uh, this certainly needs to be done with care. Um, this, this transition, is nothing to be made light of and really needs to be fully tested, fully considered for the risks. Um, but uh, it's also clear that options like video identification is not up to um, the, the use cases the, and the, the high value use cases that we're needing it for. Okay, understood. I, I'm really looking forward to to testing these wallet applications that you just mentioned. So they would at least a bit feel like all these authenticator apps that we have, where we just scan another QR code and have a new um, um, additional factor for one or another service. If we would have something comparable for containing and carrying these um, these verified identities, I think then we're really one step um, um, further when it comes to to, to interoperability and to yeah to opening up this ecosystem 
Um, thank mm-hmm. you very much, Annie, for for explaining this. And and um, are there any are any um, developments that you've learned of apart from the the wallet and the standardization part that you would like to highlight before we close down? Yeah, I think the the comparison of um, a digital wallet with an authenticator app is actually quite quite good. There were um, at least a couple vendors on the market who are repurposing their their authenticator app to function also as a digital wallet. So I think that that bridge um, is probably a good one to hold on to. Uh, yeah. Yeah, great. Um, yeah, thank you very much, Annie. Um, this leadership compass, uh, providers of verified identities, it, it is available. You can go to our website, coopingacole.com and download your copy and, and a subscription is required, but there's a test subscription and it's really affordable if you go for one year um, and it's really affordable. Um, so um, if you're interested in this work and if you are looking into um, Better and 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 yeah, more secure onboarding of employees or customers. Um, then this is the right document to check out to find potential providers that could serve your needs. Um, thanks again, Annie. Um, and I'm looking forward to to talking to you again soon. And um, not to forget to mention the CSLS event that will take in place in Berlin in November. We have mentioned that in earlier episodes as well. So if you're interested in cybersecurity and verified identities are a part of that, um, please head over also and check whether you want to join us in Berlin for the Cybersecurity Leadership Summit, either in person um, or virtually remote. Thanks again, Annie, and um, bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.